Father. Thank you, Father. I don't have to lose what I have to be thankful. Do you? Mm, to appreciate it. Go with me, please, to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. It's the same text, but I'm actually beginning a new series, which is an extension of the previous series. <laughs> One thing leads to another, you know. You'll see what I mean in just a moment. But We've been looking at this passage, but I want to emphasize a different part of it. 1 Corinthians 2, and you know the word is, is, to say it's rich is an understatement. It's just, it's, it's living and, and it's quickening and every word is life and light, truth. In 1 Corinthians 2, um, verse uh, 4 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. He said, uh, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that's not the end of the sentence, verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now it is the case with many um, church-going people, religious facility attending people, that their faith is in the wisdom of men. Their faith is in the writings of such and such, or in the teachings of this one or that one or group, or in the tenets of this denomination or that group. But the Spirit of God said here through Paul that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. No matter how much you have received through a ministry gift, your faith shouldn't be based on them. But on what? In the power of God. Why, this reveals that God is real. Not just something to be talked about and thought about, but something and someone to be experienced. Experienced. God is real, and he, His power is without limit as far as we know. It was what He said. So, the power, we see it all around us. It's one of the most foolish things you ever heard when people say, I don't, there's no evidence of God. Uh, You're evidence of God. The ground you're standing on is evidence of God. The air you're breathing is evidence of God. Now, you can deny it if you want to, but it took power to create matter, energy, our star. Right? The forest, the animals, everything. It took power. And when people say, well, I I just believe in the Big Bang. I just believe in evolution. Well, you said it right. You believe. Because it's not science. Are you with me or not? No, it's not. It's unproven theory. And it remains unproven theory. Because it's not true. (laughs) You can't prove something that's not true. You can lie about it. You can fabricate stuff. But you can't prove something that's not true. Well, what do you mean? Well, if you say, I believe that everything is self-generated. It sprang into existence by itself. Really? That's a belief. That's not science. It's an unproven theory. It's a belief. Now, we weren't there in Gen- when, when you read Genesis 1 in the beginning. Right? But I believe it. That's what I believe. Instead of that other goofy thing. 
I believe that God said, and it became. That's how it became. Well, where did God come from? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So it's a belief, right? But I I don't just have a, uh, a concept. I have an experience. Come on, are you with me or not? I have an experience. I have experienced personally the presence of the Lord. Have you? I said I have experienced personally the power of the Lord. I've been healed. I've been delivered. I've been filled with the Spirit. I was there when it happened. And like one fellow said, a, a, a man or woman with an experience is never at the expense of a man with an argument. <laughs> what do you mean? You can argue all you want to about it, but I was there. Right. It's like saying, you know, uh, there's no water in that pool. There's no water in that pool. And I'm swimming. <laughs> I'm wet. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but we can prove there's no water in the pool. No, you can't. I'm wet. You can never convince me there's no water in the pool because I'm wet. (laughs) And you can never convince me that there's no God or that God is not real because I'm wet. I'm wet with his presence. I'm wet with his experience. Hallelujah. So my, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the people, the men and women that God has put in my life, people like Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith. But my, my faith is not based on Kenneth Hagin. Huh? No. I have experienced what the Lord gave him and taught. That experience was not through him. It was direct from, me, from the Lord to me. Hallelujah. So my faith is in the power. Of God. Come on, say it out loud. My faith faith stands stands in the power of God. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that okay? Man, it makes you stable too. Hmm? If Phyllis and I went nuts tomorrow, (laughs) not believing that's going to happen, okay? (laughs) Not planning on it. But if you heard next week, Keith and Phyllis went crazy. (laughs) They have left the ministry. They're acting stupid. Should you quit God? Huh? But see, if your faith is based on us, then if we failed, now now, now you know what I'm saying. A lot of people, when their pastors or their leaders failed, they quit going to church, they quit praying. They quit re- and that is just ignorant because God didn't fail you. Right? God didn't let you down. And you should have known those people were human. Just like you. You should have known. They could fail. Y'all are quiet. I'm not planning on doing anything stupid tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm just giving you an example. But if you are rooted and grounded in your own experience in God personally, you should be steady with Him no matter who does what or who doesn't, who stays hooked or who doesn't, who fails or who doesn't, right? Because your faith wasn't in God through them. Your faith wasn't just in their wisdom. In what they believe and teach and preach. Your faith is in the living God, in His power, in His life, in His spirit. And if that's true, you'll remain steady no matter what anybody else does. You'll remain solid. Hallelujah. Now, notice in this text again, he said, uh, He used two words here in verse uh, 4. 
Uh, look at the uh, Young's literal translation of this, if you would. Verse 4, he said, uh, My word and my preaching. So he mentions two things. And this word here is the word, the Greek word, logos. And there's two main words in the New Testament. There's more than that, but two main ones in the New Testament for word or for what you speak. And it's logos and rhema. We'll be talking about this a little bit more. And yes, that's what the school is named after, uh, Brother Hagin's ministry. Rhema is the spoken utterance, the spoken word. And he said, my word and my preaching. So why would you say that? Not just my message, but my words are what? Not in persuasive words of human wisdom. My words are in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. My word and my preaching. The title of our new series is The Word of Power. The Word of Power. Why why talk about this? Well, in talking about the power of God, we need to see how Jesus walked in this power, how he did it. And you'll find, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you'll find that the main way he released power was through his words, through what he said, through his speaking. And if you and I are going to experience power, do you think it would be connected the same way? To our words. Our words. Look with me, if you would, in in the proverb. Go back to the book of Proverbs, please. And the 18th chapter. And the 20th verse. Proverbs 18, 20. He said, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the what? Fruit of his mouth. Really? And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Do you want to live good and have plenty to eat and have plenty of money, plenty of the things that you need? It's connected to your mouth. Can you see that? It's connected to your the fruit of your mouth. The increase of your lips is how you get filled. That's like we were talking about in the offering a few minutes ago. Prosperity doesn't start externally. It starts internally. It starts in your heart and it's released with your mouth. How are you doing financially? Huh? What if I'd asked you yesterday, before we were sitting up here in church today, talking about our words? Huh? What would a lot of Christian people say? A lot of good people, what would they say? Well, you know, we're... We're doing okay, you know, things just hadn't quite got back to normal yet. And, but, you know, we're, we're making it. That's what you set in your life, is making it. Now, I know most people don't believe this. Most church-going people don't believe this. And you can tell it by the way they talk. And if you are not continually making adjustments to what you're saying, you don't believe this yet either. Because nobody, James talks about this, if anybody doesn't miss it in what they say, they are a fully developed, perfected individual. So what does that mean? What's most people doing? They are missing it. Right and left. Right? In what they are saying. Does it make any difference? 
many people think, oh, now, you know, don't, don't get legalistic with me about every word that comes out of my mouth. I can think of scriptures that talk about every word that comes out of your mouth. And yes, it, it requires some effort. But what we need to realize is that the enemy is continually trying to get words in your mouth that give him access. He is continually. There will be times you, your flesh will want to say bad stuff so much you'll have to bite your lip. Because there's pressure to say it. Why? That, that's spiritual. I said, that's spiritual. Why? Why would the enemy care? Because he can't just do whatever he wants to do in your life. Why do we, we talked about this for some weeks a while back, you know, about not giving any place to the devil. How do you give place to the devil? One of the big ways that you do it is through words that he brought to you, that you didn't even realize he brought to you. And one of the problems is wrong speaking is what most people on the planet are doing. And so it won't stand out. You won't even notice it. Because most everybody else, that's how they talk. That's what they're saying. How did Jesus talk? Huh? Did he say a bunch of things he didn't really mean? Huh? Uh Uh-uh. No. The word that became flesh spoke the words of God. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. He was very disciplined. In what he said. And when he spoke. There was power in it. Yes. Hallelujah. I reckon there's a lesson for us. right there In any of this. Huh? I said Jesus was very disciplined. In what he said. He said I only say. What I hear the father say. The words I speak. I speak not of myself. But the father that sent me. He does the works. That's what Jesus said. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. Was Jesus disciplined in what he said? He said, he said he, I only say. That means he didn't talk all this other junk. And yet, when he spoke, be still. <laughs> there was power. Hallelujah. Get up and walk. <laughs> there was power. I said there was power. Be clean. There was power. I said there was power. And Paul said, when I came to you, it wasn't with a bunch of intellectual and philosophical stuff. My words and my preaching was in demonstration of the Spirit and with power. How many believe that? You, you see it in manifestations. Paul spoke to spirits and cast them out. Paul spoke to situations and they changed. I mean, he's walking, following in the footsteps of the master. Is this available to you? Yes. And me? Yes. Hmm? yes, it is. I said, yes, it is. Yes. Keep reading this text here. I mean, Proverbs 18, 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Do you want your life full of the things that you need? Where should you check? It's got to increase in your mouth before it increases in your bank account. It's got to increase in your mouth, the increase of your lips. That has to happen first. Then you'll you'll experience the the being filled. Keep reading. Verse 21. He he goes further. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. Not just getting your needs met, not just getting filled, but death and life. Now, how much more uh, definite can you say than that? How serious is it what we say? Death and life. That's how serious it is. It's in the power of the tongue. Is that true or is that not true? True or not true? Most people don't believe that. Most church-going people don't, don't believe this. How do you say that, Brother Keith? You can tell by how they talk. If you believed that, you would never talk death. You would, you would not. You'd refuse to. You'd never say, I can't. There's no way. It's too late. You'd never say something like that. If you believed in the power of your words. Did I lose somebody? I lost somebody. I felt him unhook. And the trailer rolled back down the, the hill. I, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to back, back down the hill. <laughs> Jack up your trailer and we're going we're gonna to hook back up. This is something that your flesh doesn't want to hear. Because it requires something of you. And it requires something of you every day and every night. But you ignore it at your own cost. Right? And if you ignore it, you're acting like you've already arrived at governing your tongue. And your words when you're not even trying. And if you ignore it, you're giving the enemy words. How much more effort does it take to say something good that the Holy Spirit can work with than say something bad that the enemy can work with? I mean, you got to force out your breath and, and shape the words. Huh? Why not just say something good? Even if it's not something you see, call those things that be not as though they were. Right? Even if it's not something you feel. That's how faith people function. That's how they operate. They don't talk how they feel. They don't talk how it looks. They use their words to change things. Hallelujah. If you say, it's bad, it's so bad, oh, oh, Lord, it's so bad. Well, how does that help you? How does it help you? Is anybody else listening to these things? Wrong spirits are listening. They have, you have authorized them to work bad in your life. When you say, it is bad, it is so bad, I don't think we'll ever get over this. Hmm? Yeah, it has scarred me for life. Oh, dear Lord. You don't know what you're saying. I don't think I'll ever get over that. Well, then you probably won't. You could. You could already be over it. Y'all with me or not? Life and death is in the power of the tongue, the Bible says. How did Jesus speak? Do you think you would ever hear Jesus say, fellas, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Huh? Can, can you imagine Jesus, you know, you being with the 12 or the 70 and getting up one morning and coming to breakfast and Jesus sitting there, what's wrong with Jesus? And he said, I'm just so depressed. I am so sick of these Pharisees and Sadducees. I, I am fed up. I've had it. I have had it. I'm done. <laughs> Can you imagine 
Jesus? Now, now, come on, think about this. If he had talked like that, his words would be as powerless as most Christians are. Because out of mercy, the worse your words are, the less power you should have. You're hurting yourself. You could hurt yourself more and other people. What if every word that came out of your mouth came to pass? How would you be doing? That just scared me to death. Bloop. Y'all okay? Have you have you noticed? Uh, you know, I, I hope you're not listening to so much of that. But much of the modern and popular music—I don't care if you're talking about the '50s, '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, now, whatever—I want you to notice next time you hear any. How many times you'll hear something about going crazy? Are losing your mind. It's woven. Through. Many. Many of these songs. Going crazy. Losing my mind. It's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. The enemy. Got involved in the inspiration. Why? He wants you. To get attracted by the catchy tune and the rhyming. And he wants you to get that in your mouth. And he wants you to say it 3,000 times. That you are losing your mind. That you are going crazy. Hmm? The more you say it, the stronger it gets in you. And you begin to believe it and say it. It gives him a right. To start messing with your head. Does it matter what we say? Life and death. Death and life. Is in the power of the tongue. Well, I can tell we're enjoying this, aren't we? Whew. Man. This was what you've been waiting on right here. <laughs> Man, I wish Brother Keith would teach on the words of our mouth. Yeah, you do. I said, yeah, you do. Because you are all excited about the power. I said the power. And if we don't, if we don't get this part right, you, you can forget about the other part. About the power. Because how did Jesus walk in this power? How was this power manifested? Is it a coincidence that the power manifested the same time he spoke? Mm -mm. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. And we're told to be followers of God or imitators of God as dear children. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, to Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke chapter 4, these things are given to us, these scriptures, these words, these examples, not just that we can ooh and ah about history. They're given as examples for our life. Today, we're supposed to practice these same things. Jesus in, in Luke 4 the Bible said, you know, after the temptation in the beginning of the chapter, that he came out in the power of the Spirit, verse 14 said. He returned in the power of the Spirit. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Now, why would that be? First of all, this tells you that this has not happened up until now. 
Jesus was not famous when he was 28. He was not known. Now that's astounding, isn't it? Uh Uh-uh. Why now? Well, when he was baptized in the river, he came up out of the river, and the Spirit of God came on him. Hallelujah. This is power. I said, this is power. Then he overcomes the temptations. The enemy was unsuccessful in getting him into sin or condemnation and trying to rob his faith, which is key to releasing the power. So unsuccessful. And so Jesus comes out then in the power of the Spirit. And so this fame that goes abroad about him is in connection with the power. Not just his teachings, but the power. Are you all with me? There were power manifestations. Go with me, if you would, to verse uh, 22. It says uh, in his own hometown where he's brought up in, in Nazareth, uh, it said they all bear him when he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. They, they wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? It was his words that got their attention. And in verse 32, they were astounded at his doctrine, for his word was with power. That's our text for the series. Huh? They were astounded at his doctrine. See, isn't it the same thing we saw in what Paul said by the Spirit? That his word and his preaching was in demonstration of the spirit and power. And you see that same thing here. Doctrine, well that's teaching. And then also it mentions his word. His word was with power. Everybody say his word. Was with power. And this includes authority and Power, like we think of power. In fact, uh, you could translate it like this: When Paul said, "My my word and my teaching, preaching was with demonstration of the Spirit with power," you could say it like this: My logos was with dunamis. My word was with power, and Jesus also said His word was with authority and power. Said out loud, his word word was with power. Verse 33, in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, you Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, Hold your peace. We'd say, Shut up and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed. And they spoke among themselves and they said, what a word is this. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place in the country round about. About what? What? The power of his word. That was what shook them. That was what shocked them. Was when he spoke, things happened. Hallelujah. I said when he spoke, things happened. Things changed. Things happened when he spoke. Now the the enemy is really scared that you'll find out about this. Because he had enough trouble with one Jesus for three and a half years. The last thing he needs is millions huh, of sons of God walking around, commanding things. and change. Oh, that's his worst nightmare. That is his worst nightmare. 
And he has been, sadly, too successful in keeping people in the dark and confused about this. And one of the things that has been successful is convincing people that Jesus could do that because he's the Son of God. But you can't because you're not. So don't even try Most church-going people believe that. They believe Jesus could do that, but not you. So they're saying Jesus did this as God, not as man. And since you're a man, not God, you can't do this. And the enemy really, really hopes that you keep believing that. But it's a lie. I said it's a lie. Jesus didn't do what he did as God. No, he didn't. He is God. God manifested in the flesh. But he didn't function as God. Philippians says he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. You can see that in how this happened right here. Um. Does God need to be anointed? The answer is no. He is the anointer. Right? Huh? Who are you going to find to anoint God? Uh Uh-uh. No. That's why God says, he said, I swear by myself. Why? Ain't nobody else he could swear by. (laughs) He's it. Nobody higher, nobody greater, nothing more powerful. And uh, Jesus had to be anointed, didn't he? Like we said, just as much the Son of God at 28 as he was at 30, and yet not even known, much less miracles and signs and wonders. Until what? Until the anointing came on him. The Spirit of God came on him. This, This proves he's functioning as a man. Because it wasn't until he was anointed that these kind of things began to show up and happen. What does that mean? He did it as a man. Somebody say, he did it as a man. man. Say it again, he did it as a man. He did it as a man. He did this. You might say, he raised the dead as a man. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Cast out spirits as a man. Right? Ministered healing to the sick as a man. Raised the dead as a man. Walked on the water as a man. As a man. He did it all as a man. And I can prove it to you numerous ways. We've already given evidence, but keep, keep reading this and then I'll take you to another place. They said, what a word, verse 36. They were amazed and spoke among themselves. This is not the case just when somebody taught and preached, even if they preached something that was an unusual idea. It didn't leave everybody astonished. They're amazed at what? What a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, And they come out. They obey. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And, notice the very next thing, and he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And verse 39, and he, Jesus, stood over her and did what? And did what? Rebuked what? The fever. Have you ever talked to a fever? Most church people don't. Somebody said, well, yeah, but but that's Jesus. I've been talking about this already. He did this as a man. Showing you how to do it. Showing us how to do it. Jesus did what? He stood over her and he rebuked the fever. I know years ago. I was reading this, 
And I got there, and, and, I, and I realized it said, he rebuked the fever. It caught my ear stronger for the first time. And I thought, now hold on, hold on. He's not praying. This is not prayer. He's not talking to the father about this. And he's not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. She's delirious with fever. He's talking to a fever. A fever. And I thought, can a fever hear? Can a fever hear? And I read the rest of the verse, and it left her. I thought, yep. Yep. Fevers can hear. If fevers can hear, ulcers can hear. Cancer can hear. Come on, y'all with me or not? Your blood can hear. Your kidneys can hear. Everything that exists was created by the spoken word of God. Even if it's been challenged or distorted or cursed. And if it was word formed, it can be word changed. Word fixed. If it came into existence by spoken words, it can be altered by spoken words. And that's what Jesus did. How many believe this happened exactly like you read it right here? It left her and uh, immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, she arose, she got up and ministered to them. Now you talk about a quick recovery. Why? Because the fever and whatever was causing it was not allowed to hang around. And gradually let up or or gradually dissipate. The Lord rebuked the fever. Now, how do you rebuke something? He probably said something along the lines of, get out of here. Get out. Fever, get out of her body. And I mean, in a moment, she opens her eyes. She sits up on the side of the bed. Jesus, you hungry? It said she ministered to them, right? So she immediately started doing something to to help them, to minister to them. And they had just come in, so probably they were hungry. And that is also the best use of a healing. Huh? Best use of a healing, a deliverance or recovery is to immediately start ministering to the Lord's people. Come on, can you see that? Using your strength to do something for him and his. But if he rebuked the fever, should you rebuke fever? Hmm? Speak to indigestion. Speak to congestion. Speak to growths. Tumors. Speak to them. I said speak to them. Y'all okay? Go with me to Mark, the 11th chapter. Now there's some verses here in Mark 11 you may have heard before. But I assure you, you don't know all there is to know about this. Mark 11, what happened in this situation is that Jesus... And the twelve are walking and traveling. And he speaks to a tree. He speaks to a a tree, a fig tree. says, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. Jesus spoke to trees. He talked to trees. Was he crazy? Huh? Mentally imbalanced. Not living in reality. Huh? Is it okay for you to speak to trees? If you got a place especially or a yard or anything like that, you ought to talk to your trees. Huh? You ought to talk to your trees and your shrubs and your flowers. If you got a garden, you ought to talk to it. You got crops, you ought to talk to them. That's not prayer. I said that's not prayer. 
How would you talk to them? Help me out. What do you say to them? Now, let's just let's stop right here. When you start talking about this, people, some people even get indignant and go, that's just nuts, that's just nuts. And yet, they've already been doing it. Huh? But only on the negative. You stupid weeds. Oh, I got some dumb briars. You dumb briars, you stupid briars. Huh? What is wrong with you, tree? (laughs) See, why is it that people don't even notice if you talk to inanimate objects as long as it's negative? Huh? As long as it's negative. You can cuss your lawnmower. People won't think a thing about it. You can kick your car and call it names and talk to it. But if you say, you're a blessed car, I call you blessed, huh? Then people go, ooh. (laughs) Hey, talking to it is talking to it, right? That's something I say uh, uh, almost every trip that we make in a plane. I say, uh, uh, this plane is blessed. Yes. It's a blessed plane. It, is. it functions well. Uh-huh. It works well. Yes. It'll serve us well yes, all the time we have it. Yes. Amen. It's a blessed plane. Yes, it is. Huh? It is. You say that on a regular basis, that gets built into you. Yeah. Right? Yes, sir. You, you're convinced of it. Yeah. You expect yeah. it. Yeah. Right? You should say that over your things, yes. right? Yes. Your, your vehicles, your, your stuff, your, your house, your place. Your... Amen. Hmm? Yes. You should never call something cursed or curse it. If it, it, it's something, that, a possession that belongs to you. If it's something that needs to die and go away, then yeah, like Jesus cursed the fig tree. You can do that too. And his disciples, they, this was still new to them too. They're, I don't know what they did, but, you know, they heard him. The Bible said they heard him. He's, and, and they're like, who's he talking to? That tree right there. <laughs> the fig tree? Yeah. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the next day, some, I guess 24 or some hours later, they come back by, and you couldn't tell that anything changed when he spoke to it. There was no rumbling. There was no lightning. He's just talking to a tree. But then, uh, some 24 hours later, when they get to that same spot on their way back, of course, you know, they looked at the tree. Yes. <laughs> you would too, because yeah. Jesus cursed it. Yeah. And the thing had already dried up. Well, that's too quick. In the natural. Right? It was green yesterday. And it's totally dried up. And scripture said it had dried up from the roots. So it started where you couldn't see. But it worked so quickly that it, within just a day, the leaves had already dried. And it was obvious it was dead. And so was it Peter that remarked, Jesus, that tree, that tree you talked to. And notice he didn't say, I was hoping that would work. Uh Uh-uh. Which brings us to the next part. Verse 22 is when Jesus said, have faith in God. When they pointed out to him that the tree he spoke to had done what he told it to do. Did Jesus speak words of power? We've been talking about the power of God. And demonstration of the Spirit. The main way that this power was released and manifested was through speaking. Jesus spoke and things happened. Jesus spoke and things stopped. Jesus spoke and things changed. He spoke. 
And he answered and said, have faith in God. Now I want you to hold your place here and go back to Matthew 21. This is Matthew's account of this. Matthew 21. Matthew 21, 20. Same happening, just a different account. When the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? Man, this happened so quick. He spoke to it yesterday. It's already, you know, come to pass. Well, actually, it came to pass when he said it. You just couldn't see it. Huh? Something happened to the roots underground the moment he spoke. And then the effects of that went over the whole tree. And isn't that a graphic representation that things happened where you couldn't see? And then they showed up where you could see. The disciples saw it. They marveled, how soon is the fig tree withered away? And verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say to you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, Hold up, hold up, hold up. You can do this? Huh? Is he telling them they can do this? Are y'all with me, guys? Is he telling them they can do this? This would have been the perfect place to make it clear that he could do that because he's the son of God. But for them not to try it. But he didn't do that. They're marveling. At that point, they believed he could do it. They didn't think they could. And he's changing that right now. Can you see this? They were impressed with him. And they thought, he's amazing. Did you see what he did? Did you hear what he said? Did you see what happened? And then he looks at them and he doesn't say Like tradition says. He doesn't say, yes, but now I'm God. And and I created everything and and I can do this. But not you. Don't try this. Couldn't he have said that? Instead he says, you have faith in God too. Huh? You exercise in the God kind of faith. Also, in fact, he said, if you'll have faith and not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but you can do greater things than that. If you say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. Is a word, can a word be more powerful than a fever? Huh? Can a word be more powerful than a tree? Can a word be more powerful than a mountain? Words created mountains. So words can move mountains. And here's the thing. You've got to brace yourself. Not only can God do it. Not only can Jesus do it. You can do it. You can do it. If you believe and don't doubt and you'll say it. Now if you say, well, uh, I've said some things and it didn't happen. I just got through explaining why. Mark 11. Let's go there. Now if you think, well, Brother Keith, I, I already know this. I doubt it. I doubt that seriously. Um, This will fix your problems. Are all your problems fixed? Huh? Well, here's the answer. Do you have things in your life that need to go away? That need to stop? Here's the answer. Anything dead that needs to be revived? Anything damaged that needs to be fixed? This is the answer. 
I said, this is the answer. If you say, but I tried that. Well, you didn't do it though. You didn't do it. Because Jesus, what he said is true. Regardless of what you've seen or felt or experienced or didn't experience, what he said is right. And you want to humble yourself and not try to tell him, well, God, I did what you said and it didn't work. I mean, that's being haughty. That's being ignorant. What are you saying? He missed it? His word failed? It shouldn't be hard for us to imagine that maybe we missed it somewhere. Maybe we came short somewhere. That's, that's where it is every time. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. He said, have faith in God. We need to do this. Everybody said out loud right now. Lord, Lord open, my eyes. open my eyes. Help me to see things from these verses that I have not seen. I ask it in Jesus' name. Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Now, what, what would you be talking to? Not God. You're not talking to God. You're talking to what we would call an inanimate object. Just like Jesus talked to fevers and he talked to trees. If you will say, this is one big place where the body of Christ is, is coming short. They're not saying. Amen. They're not speaking to things. And if you don't speak to it, it's not going to happen. If you'll say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. I want you to notice with me how many times saying is mentioned. Jesus said, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Do you have to say it? I said, do you have to say it? Say it out loud, I have to say it. I must say it. See, not just think about it. And not just beg God about it. Religion makes people beggars. Religion teaches people beg, 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 beg. Beg God, please God, do this. Please God, do that. Please God, make the mountain go away. Please God, make the mountain change. Please God, please God, please God, please God, make the mountain stop. Move the mountain, God. Please move the mountain. Please move the mountain. That's ignoring what Jesus told us to do. That's replacing the Word of God with tradition. Tradition tells you, you can't do that. You just have to beg. And God, if it's His will, if He decides to, He may do something. If He doesn't, then it must not have been His will. Lies that most of the church is convinced of. Say it out loud. I have to. to. Say it. it. I must say it. it. (laughs) Is that that all that's involved in saying it? No. No. You must also not doubt, but believe. Not doubt what? Not doubt that what you're saying is happening. Believe what? Believe that what you're saying is happening. So if people say, well, I said it and nothing happened. Well, you didn't believe it. Hmm? Well, why didn't it work? See, you wouldn't even ask that question if you were in faith. Because if you're in faith, you don't believe it didn't work. No, people say things, but they don't believe it. So those are the two big gotchas. Not saying and doubting what you're saying. Can you see that, church? Is it possible that if we got it fixed, 
And we started saying and didn't doubt. But fully expected what we said to come to pass. Could the words of Jesus happen? What did he say? Look at it again. Somebody say, I'm getting this, I'm getting this, I'm getting this. Jesus said, verily I say to you that whosoever, who will this work for? Whoever shall say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. He's not praying. He's talking to the mountain, the the big problem, the big thing that's in the way. I mean, if you liked it there, you wouldn't want to move it. If it was something that was blessing you. Somebody said, well, I like my mountain. We'll leave it alone. Don't talk to it. (laughs) But this is something that's a big, giant obstacle. A big, giant thing in your way. Stop begging God about it. Hmm? And... Feed on that which builds your confidence that it is God's will for this thing to be removed. Hmm? And that I do have authority to speak to things. And greater is he that's in me than he is. It's not just a matter of making some noise. You got to believe it. You got to be fully convinced that when I say this, this is going to happen. And many times that's not the case. People are not convinced. They're trying it. So they're not convinced. Read read what Jesus said. Verse 23. If you'll say. And not doubt in your heart. Now that's the same word as waver. Waver. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Hope so. We'll see. Hmm? What, what does that mean? It won't work. You're not convinced. So don't tell me you did what Jesus said and it didn't work. I won't accept it. I'm going to believe him over you. Sorry, but he's right. Huh? <laughs> Two big issues. Not saying it and doubting it. But if you will say it and not doubt it at all, but you're fully convinced and believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass. Jesus, the head of the church, said you'll have whatever you said. We can put the word on those bills. Huh? We, we can call them paid for. We can call in sales. Huh? We can call in contracts. And jobs. Somebody needs to say, I get the best jobs. I get the best jobs. I get the best jobs. See, you got a lot of Christians saying, I can't get a job. I can't, I've tried. I can't get a job. There's death in that. It's limited. Say that loud. I get the best jobs. I get the, I get the best sales. I get the best contracts. I, I get the best. I get the best. It, it flows to me. It comes and finds me. It's easy for me. Customers come to me. They come to us. Huh? And they buy stuff. They don't just look and kick the tires. They, I mean, they, they're going to buy somewhere. They might as well come buy from you. Is that right? But see, so many in their mouth is, I, as you know, things are down and things are tight and this seems like I can't get ahead. And, 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 the world around you won't even notice that. 
Because that's how they, they mostly talk. They think that's just normal. Ah, oh, we're doing the best we can, but you know, it's a hard old row. It's a, yeah, there's been hard times in the neighborhood. Well, regardless of what it has been, do you want it to change? Huh? Use your words. Use your words. And if you meditate on it enough and become convinced of it enough, it pushes the doubt out. And when you say you fully expect it to come to pass, and if you'll do that, Jesus said, You'll have whatever you said. You'll have what you said. Oh, hallelujah. Time, I feel like I just got started. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The word of power. The word of power. 